This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 141 of the Dressage Radio Show. Chris Stafford in Wellington, Florida, for the first time coming to you from Heather Blitz's training center for this week's show. We're down here for the Masters. Heather was competing this weekend with Paragon, and she joins me now. Heather, great to be here. Well, thanks for having me on the show once again, and welcome to my training center here in Wellington. Well, tell us about your weekend. I know everybody will know the results because they follow you on Facebook and, of course, following the competition generally because it was a CDI, three-star, four-star, and the CDEIP for the para-questions as well. But let's just talk briefly about uh, your performance with Paragon because it was his debut at Grand Prix. Uh, Yes, I had done one CDN at Grand Prix um, fairly successfully, but the CDI, of course, pressure is different, and... He came out um, just as reliable as always, no surprises, and really uh, super happy with how he did. I made a few mistakes in the first Grand Prix. That was totally my fault. Um, And then the second day, because of the um, placing I had in the regular CDI, then I was qualified for the Masters the next day. So I got to repeat the Grand Prix the very next day and kind of clean up my my mistakes, which we did. So... Um, just super happy with Paragon. He's such a young horse. He hasn't even actually turned nine yet, and he's performing like a horse two two years older than his age. So um, couldn't be happier. So you really got off to a great start to your 2012 season, Heather. And it was a big competition all round. To be part of the Masters must have been a you know really exciting for you. If you're going to make your Grand Prix debut, this would be the one to do it in. Yeah, might as well start big, right? <laughs> That's the way I roll. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it just kind of happened to be that it was the right time to start him in his uh, CDIs, so, um, and I wasn't going to turn down the opportunity. I got the invitation, so I'm not one to turn down an opportunity like that, so I went for it and just didn't really try to think about it a whole lot, that it was the Masters just rode anyway, like I would for any test, and then afterwards I could think, wow, I just did the Masters. Um, didn't try to think about it too much beforehand, but it was really exciting to see such quality horses um, coming from Europe and the West Coast and all convening here in Wellington with a crowd of around 2,000 fans. That was really exciting. Well, it certainly was exciting to have them over because they did battle with uh, Stefan Peters, the defending champion, and we're going to hear from him in a moment, and also from Charlotte Dujardin, the British rider, who was just pipped at the post. That was a very close finish in the Masters, wasn't it? That was. What was it, 0.2 percentage or something? That was very exciting. Good good job, both of them. Yep. So we're going to hear from them on this week's show, and we're also going to hear from Carl Hester, who came over with his horse. Vallegro is uh, it, partly his. That, of course, is ridden by Charlotte, and who uh, works out of Carl's Yard in England. And we're also going to hear from uh, the para riders, uh, Dale Dedrick, and Ellie Brimmer a little bit later on. Uh, but, but Heather, um, uh, if you were to wrap up this week's show and how, I mean, it sets you up for the rest of the season, what can we expect from Paragon uh, leading up to the selection trials? Well, I'm going to do my next show in a, in a couple of weeks. Um, also, the Grand Prix and the Special again to try to just seal my qualifying scores for the trials and I can get that out of the way and then play a little bit after that for the rest of the season with a few more shows where I might start as, um, his freestyle and get that practiced a little bit too. So 
Uh, hopefully a total of about five CDIs for him this year, which is the absolute beauty of Wellington, because <laughs> I can do all of those CDIs and sleep in my own bed. So um, I think that it's not too stressful for him to have that many, um, you know, considering there's not a whole lot of travel and it's not, it wouldn't be really that hard on him. So um, three or four more shows this season and then hopefully the trials in Gladstone and on from there. Well, I should also ask you, ask you about the new facility that's down here, which is right in your backyard, which is going to be the, what the jumpers have by, with the Winter Equestrian Festival, the dressage riders are going to have with this new facility. Yeah, I'm very excited. You know, it, it, selfishly, it's just around the corner from me. So, of course, I'm thrilled about that. Um, talk about convenient. Um, they're putting in top-class footing, and the whole grounds is just going to be very uh, competitor and spectator-friendly. So really excited about the new place. Yeah, it's wonderful to be down here watching all this develop for the dressage community, and we'll be bringing you updates on the show as that unfolds because they're going to have their first competition here this weekend. So I'll bring you news of that on next week's show. But uh, also we have, of course, a lineup of guests this week, so we want to get started. Um, first of all, we're going to hear from uh, Stefan Peters and his response to this week's uh, wonderful win at the Masters. Well, Stefan joins me now after a very, very tight finish there to retain your title. Stefan, a big smile on your face tonight. Yeah, very big. It's been like that for the last 45 minutes since I got out of the ring. You know, it, uh, what, a, what a fantastic show. You know, that's what we want for the sport, to be this close and... I think when it's this close, um, some of the judges probably didn't even know how, you know, who the winner was. And I think if um, if it comes out that close, it's just wonderful. Well, as you said, you, all, all the buttons you pressed tonight, this show, ever, all worked out. He was just where you needed him to be, and you got the answers you, you needed. How would it compare, say, with the Masters last year, and how he's been performing over the course of the year? Well, this year, you know, we've got new music, a bit more emotional. Um, some incredible highlights. The, the music is so extremely custom-made. I mean, it's recorded with an orchestra, so uh, the, the downside of this is there's absolutely no room for, dif- for, for mistakes. Like, if you're one second behind the music or ahead of the music, it looks ridiculous. And, um, you know, that's, that's the difficult part, so we had to pull out all our stops tonight and risk it in the extensions and the flying changes, making the pirouettes even tighter. And, um, you know, it was a bit more difficult if you um, go before um, Charlotte and Tina. You know, you had to um, risk it without knowing what they would do. What was the thinking behind changing your music, uh, you know, a whole new curve? Was it just that he was in that stage of his career with you that you thought, time for a change? Yeah, we thought the uh, music before was a bit more... Um, you know, a little, little wilder, a little younger. And um, a lot of people said, you know, you don't need uh, that much rhythm in the music. You know, go with something a little bit grand, a little bit more emotional. And I think that's what we accomplished. So you're going to stick with this then through the year? Yeah, this is it. You know, we put so much work into this freestyle. Um, you know, it's interesting. A lot of people said, uh, especially in Europe, said, you know, it almost sounds a bit religious. And I said, do me, do me a favor and take a look at the movie. And I got so many emails back where they said afterwards, you know what, you're right, because this movie says so much about connecting nature, humans, and animals, and it sends a wonderful message. And anybody who hasn't seen the movie listens to the music, they get 
first a different reaction, but after they see the movie, they say, I really get it. Well, you obviously take the master seriously to come over again. You know, we only have one on this uh, on these shores anyway. Now, how put this in context of the preparation for the Olympics this year, how important this is and what you'll be doing for the rest of the year. This was probably, um, you know, the biggest highlight before the Olympic Games. Um, you know, we're debating about the World Cup, but, um, you know, it, it is a lot for Ravel. And, you know, if um, something would go wrong, Uh, we would say later on, you know, why did we actually do the World Cup? So, you know, this decision needs to be made. He's ready. He's ready to go. Uh, I'd love to do it, but Ravel has uh, the first vote. So what's the thinking now then in what's your provisional schedule now for the rest of the year? Um, it would be um, three CDIs on the West Coast and then um, maybe, you know, the Gladstone show and then, you know, hopefully on to England. Well, congratulations again, Stefan, and good luck for the rest of the year. We'll catch up with you in Greenwich. Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. And Charlotte Dujardin, as I said, came in a very close second, and obviously she was very excited, um, especially having been met over here to make her American debut. Congratulations. What a very close finish that was. Yeah, very, very close. Um, I was really, really happy with Allegro. Um, obviously... Um, I was a little bit worried about the whole freestyle, whether he was going to cope with the atmosphere, because it was a big atmosphere in there tonight. And uh, with the whole um, prize giving yesterday, he got very wound up. Um, so, But he was really good. I was really happy with him. You had a very strong horse, didn't you, in the, uh, yesterday? And, and you had a bit of a different horse today. What was the difference in his preparation? Did you change anything? Well, it wasn't so hot today, so I was able to warm him up for longer, whereas yesterday it was so warm we didn't want to do too much, you know, and tire him out. Um, but actually I think I could have done a bit more. And it just, yeah, it's just made, it made the difference today. Well, we heard in the press conference, Charlotte, how you know they've recognised you making the effort to come over in an Olympic year and be part of this Masters series because obviously you're taking this series very seriously in his preparation. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was a big risk for me flying Vallegro, um, obviously being his first time ever going on a plane and coming all this way and going from temperatures from like minus five to coming to, into these, these, this heat. Um, and um, dealing with the whole thing, he did very well. And it's a, not a long period of time, you know. He's he's been here not five, six days before I've competed. So, so you mentioned uh, th that you'd also change the floor plan. You you you've got new choreography. Then you're also going to change it again. Now, well, is it because you he he can actually take a bit more pressure, a bit more difficult questions, and that you can pile that on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like last year, I mean, this time last year, I was doing my first Grand Prix. So, I mean, you think of me only doing my first Grand Prix last year with him. He was only nine. Uh, we got through the whole of last year just with, I mean, it was, I mean, it's such a surreal year last year. Um, and um, to kind of come out with a gold medal, win at Olympia, you know, all of that. And um, he's just grown. He's got stronger. He's got, you know, he now he knows what he's got to do. And I feel now I can, you know, put in those extra bits and start changing it. And, you know, and it's such he's such a fun and exciting horse. And I think once I've got my d degree of difficulty, I think I'll be flying, hopefully. <laughs> Tell us what was the music that you used for this Masters? 
Um, it's from a movie, I think, called How to Train Your Dragon or something like I'm not 100%, but um, it was a music that uh, Tom Hunt had done for me. Um, and it was straight away I heard it and it made me smile and I just loved it. And I think it's important that you love your music. And, and to me, I get in there and I hear it and I'm like, woohoo, you know, I just want to do it. You know, I, wanna, I want to show everyone what he can do. And what would you say to all your fans back home? Because thanks to new media, they've been following you closely throughout this week. And you must have a big message for them, for all the support. British Dressage as well, you have to give a shout-out to them. Absolutely. I thank everybody at home. I mean, the text messages and everything, the support for my family, I mean, it's great. I mean, friends and everybody that's behind me, it's, it's great. It's really, really nice to have them did you get a chance to have a taste of florida while you were here charlotte because i know this is your first visit to the states well we did we we arrived on uh, saturday night so um sunday monday we were waiting for the horses so we actually managed to nip down to the beach carl had a lion a sunbathe on the beach whilst i explored around uh, the shops and uh, we got you know we got to see uh, we have some friends out here as well, so we went and visited um, them. It was great. No, very nice. I loved it, and, it, you know, it's a great show. I'd definitely come back next year. Um, the people are very polite and friendly, and they've treated us really well. Good. A nice experience for you, first time here, Charlotte. Well, we want to wish you the best of luck in your preparation for the Games, and we'll catch up with you in Greenwich, hopefully. Thank you very much. Thank you. Carl Hester was here on a catch ride. That was Fiona Bigwood's V Atlantico, and I was able to catch up with him for the first time in a while. So let's hear from Carl. Everything's been happening in your life since we last spoke. Yeah, well, there's too much to, to sit here and tell you about, really, Chris, isn't there? Um, yeah, I mean, that was amazing, the, the WEG, um, you know, where we obviously um, got a silver medal. And Laura obviously came to the forefront of British dressage there with her fantastic horse, Mistral's Horace. And, um, and, of course, then we went on to the Europeans this year, where things just completely got blown out of the water. Uh, it was a very exciting time for us as a team, and certainly for British dressage, yeah has just boomed and um, you know what better timing than than now with the olympics coming up it's a very exciting team you know and we we just have to hope that all all our team remains sound as every every team would hope and um, and, and pray that they keep on the same form that they've been on last year because they were on fire really well, every time we do updates of British dressage on the show, Carl, we talk about the resurgence of it and how it's just going from strength to strength to strength and what better timing. And not least of all, because you've really spearheaded this over the course of your career. So for you to watch that as a graph going up and the, the, the improvement in the basic British dressage and the grassroots and obviously success breeds success as well. I mean, this, this has to be probably the, the highlight of your career. Oh, it is the highlight of my career, and I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I have for many years been um, up and down, you know, bottom near the top, bottom near the top, and then come back up again with this wonderful horse, Utopia. Um, I think, you know, it's been, because it is part of my life, it's been very important that, you know, we've really tried to do something special for our country and to increase membership and to increase awareness of what's happening and actually, you know, for the layman to start to understand what dressage is. It's been... A, a good journey and seeing you know our kids coming up now the young riders juniors as most countries you know have much much better plans in place for for the young ones than we ever did in our day and you know it's just so helpful for us so brilliant to be able to see them you know blossoming at a much earlier age and also i think what's happening now 
because you know people that perhaps before couldn't have afforded to stay in the sport are now being talent spotted, being picked, being helped, and um, you know the whole. Th- we have a whole range of, of facilities available now, really, for people that want to get into dressage, and um, you know it was a very fast-growing sport a few years ago and now I think it's topped, you know, thousands and thousands of members. So it is is an exciting time and, you know, I think due to the fact that obviously, as you said, success breeds success, it also has brought us media exposure and, you know, we've had dressage in national newspapers, we have our own TV show now, Horse and Country TV channel over there that um, you you may have heard about, you know, which is dedicated to all equestrian sports but it's fantastic to be able to turn the TV on and watch shows from around the world so it has grown in many ways and of course there are more role models now in in british dressage for the young people when you were growing up carl you had what one or two role models in british dressage well you know yes there were i I don't know how to put i think you probably end up you know when you want to do a sport like as big as I wanted to do it, you know, you probably look globally for your role models. Um, you know, British dressage team, you know, actually consisted of four ladies who were on the team for many, many years. I mean, they have been wonderful. And I mean, Jenny Lauriston Clark, particularly, you know, we'll all remember for Dutch courage and winning uh, Britain's ever first individual medal, actually, um, back in 78, 1978, that was. Um, but they were, you know, well, I was actually on the team with them when I started. And, uh, you know, it was the changing of the guard then, really. Um, you know, Annie McDonald Hall, some of you may remember, came along and uh, suddenly things broke free, really. But obviously it took a long time for us all to get together as a team to gel, to learn about training um, and, and make it the success it is today, really. Well, it certainly is, and it's great that you're getting media attention from outside of the sport, too. Who would have thought? Yeah, you're right. I mean, it's. I mean, you know, dressage got into the Guardian. I don't know if you know what the Guardian. The Guardian is one of the most difficult newspapers to actually get a link into, and they came and made a video, and you know, they asked questions, and so it was a really informative piece that went on their website. Well, that was a start. You know, everyone was like, well, it won't go any further. Then it made the newspapers, and um, you, you know, they have to. I think you know, the excitement in England with the Olympics growing, um, and and what they've done is looking for potential medal hopefuls, looking for which teams are going to be winning medals. And, of course, it's, it's getting huge stories over there now. So it's fantastic to be part of it. I mean, for me particularly, having ridden for the England for 20-odd years now, you know, and as I said, I've been on the teams at the bottom and sat there thinking, I wonder what it's like to win. It must be amazing. And you're just going home and getting used to the fact that you didn't win. Um, Winning's lovely, it's not everything, but it is absolutely fantastic, and I can't think of a better time um, for British dressage to actually start winning, obviously, with um, London coming up this year. But with the kind of successes you've had, of, as you mentioned, WEG and then the European Championships, and going into the Olympic Games on your home turf, there's a, obviously a level of expectation there. But with the experience that you have, Carl, you probably think, OK, this is just part of it, I can handle it. And does it raise your game? Does it help? Does it help give some buoyancy to everything yeah i mean it will be interesting because you know like you said there haven't been expectations europeans this year i think we were so up for it you know and it was interesting people saying we were going to win gold but i think that we all actually as usual thought being british you know a medal would be good but i wasn't going around saying we're going to win gold we're going to win gold um but you know maybe we should have that belief now because we've done it and 
yes, you know, the, the, the country and the media are saying, you know, it's the strongest team on the planet. You're going to win gold. And it'll be interesting to see how the pressure works. I mean, I think I'll be fine. I hope I'll be fine because I have been doing it a long time. It'll be interesting for the two girls if, if they're on the team. Uh, young girls and haven't had this kind of exposure and pressure before but you know they're they're also tough they have ridden now on a championship they do know what it's like to be told go out and get that score that's what we have to have and um well anybody that's met laura and charlotte won't uh, will know that you know there's something to be very afraid of there <laughs> they're not they're not um sweet little pussycats those girls you know they are fighting for it and um i'm sure they'll be the the valuable part of the team that we need well let's look at your partnership with utopia obviously it's just a dream partnership that's just getting better and better and coming to you know the peak of his career i would imagine carl you know in terms of his training and where you are now going into olympic games you, you couldn't really have a better position to be better subtle to be sitting in i wouldn't think well i i mean i agree with you i mean i i think Vallegro actually because you know he's my other horse that i own um that charlotte's riding i think potentially he really is the the gold medal ticket um utopia has this wonderful way of going when I ride him. I love that about him. He's so relaxed and he's so simple to ride, really. You know, he's just... And I've ridden him for six years and, you know, the only thing I have to think with him all the time is keeping him um, a little bit more excited about the shows. You know, I can't do too many shows then because he's just this chilled-out person. You know, shows don't excite him. You know, they're just like, you know, oh, we're here. He's very happy on the first day and on the third day. He's like, you know, any chance of going home now? I'm bored. So I do have to be careful not to overshow him, which, um, you know, he's never let me down. And, um, you know, so I do trust him in all situations, but it's very important not to override him. Uh, I, yeah, you're right. I can't think of a what more wonderful horse to sit on. You know, he's elastic and he's got those highlights that, if you know about Utopia, you'll have seen his extended trots where he gets all these tens and uh, it's like flying. And, you know, I never do those things unless I'm in a test anymore. So, I mean, it's actually a treat for me as well, you know, because I haven't done an extended trot from one show to another. So, you know, I always look forward to, to showing well, that leads me right into my next question, Carl. What you're knowing him as well as you do, knowing what you need to do, watch buttons to press leading up to a major championship. What is your strategy, your team expectations? Do you have to uh, fulfil some competitions in, in, as part of the selection process, or, or can you do so much your own thing in prepara- preparing for the games? Um, well, so far we've really been allowed to come up with our own plans and ideas, and obviously then the selectors look at what we want to do. Um, Vallegro's here now, having just done Olympia, and um, the World Masters here in Palm Beach. So those two shows together, I mean, you know, he had over 80% in his Grand Prix in Olympia, so I mean, if he could do that here, really then I will give him a break until April so he won't come back out again Utopia actually is at stud at the moment now because he needs to get that all out of the way before the season commences this year so they will both not compete really till the end of April and as long as we do three major shows or two major shows and uh, you know the scores come off first time then um, we would be fairly safe because those three horses do stand apart at the moment uh, from, the, from the rest of our up and coming horses although we have some very good up and coming horses they're not at the moment quite in that same bracket score wise but you know you can still be proved wrong you know, it just you, it keeps you on your toes because you never know who's coming up behind you really you never do in this sport and you've probably seen that since you've been over here in florida watching some of the uh, american-based horses 
Well, you know, I had a hell of a shock yesterday. I mean, I saw Heather Blitz and Paragon, and, um, you know, that is just the most sensational horse. You know, I sat there and watched this horse, and very normal horse just moving around, trotting, warming up, and sort of had one eye on him because I'd heard about him, but didn't really... Uh, wake me very much and then suddenly you know he comes into gear and i mean you know that is a fantastic prospect for the usa team i mean what a horse i've never seen haven't seen something like that in many years just uh, sensational so here we are enjoying some florida sunshine and you had a look at the prospects over here for international prospects that are based over here going back to europe will you stay in england to do the final preparation carl or do you go over to the mainland no, we stay in England. I mean, Charlotte and I work together now. So, you know, basically, we uh, it, it's better for our horses. You know, when I'm in England, obviously, the horses are in my environment. I can turn them out in my fields quite happily. They know where they are. There's no, you know, or much less chance, should I say, hopefully, of a risk or injury. So we'll just stay at home and um, just take them away to do their show. I mean, we do this in one week. You know, we'll leave home on the Monday, arrive at the show on the Tuesday, compete, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and be on the ferry Sunday night and back home again. And it's a much, as far as I'm concerned, it's a much happier way of keeping them. I don't like them being in strange stables in uh, other countries and getting used to different customs and different languages. It just doesn't suit them. I think they're much more. This year it's all about England, and I'm keeping them in England, so that's all they're going to hear up until the Games. So enjoying some Florida sunshine, enjoying a little bit of downtime while you're here with just one horse, to, two horses to work, but uh, a little bit of spare time. Yeah, I'm doing some teaching. So, you know, I've got a couple of students also riding here. Shannon Duchek, she's been with me, and Yvonne Lossos-Tamunis has uh, Liebling here. Who is my former rider at, at WEG? So um, she's just getting together with him, trying to do a last minute dash for the Olympic Games. So I've got a few people that um, demand uh, a bit of attention. So, but I mean, that's all part of being at a show, isn't it? It's very, it's an ideal time to help people. But this is a great place. Of course, I'm enjoying the sunshine. Everyone knows what England's like at this time of year. It's yuck and cold and grey, and to be here is quite something. It's a little bit unusual for our horses because, you know, they've come from very cold weather and uh you know suddenly uh, yesterday it was uh, it was almost like the heat got to them and you know they've been here four or five days but yesterday they really were on a bit of a low so um you know we've taken it very easy today a little bit of stretching work and um ready for the show tomorrow but they seem to have perked up a little bit again today so fingers crossed but it's 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 always fascinating because obviously i've never competed um in america before apart from weg so not watching other combinations, um, you know, of, of the up-and-coming ones here is always great to come and see. And, every, you know, standards all around the world are improving. And, um, you know, I'm wondering why there aren't a huge percentage of horses over here, um, you know, available for your team selection. Because from what I see in the working in, there's some very smart uh, combinations. All right, well, we're going to catch up with you um, closer to the games, I'm sure, Carl. And uh, we want to wish you good luck. Uh, obviously, and with the British team and with Charlotte. People should know about Charlotte because, you know, she's another one that's worked her way from the bottom to the top, 26 years old, won a gold medal. It's a pretty sensational story, isn't it? But it's done through hard work and talent, so I think that she's a great role model, and um, I always uh, say she's a little bit like Eliza Doodle, really. It's amazing to see somebody with a personality like she has in a competition because she's such a fighter and a winner. And, um, you know, it's quite unusual to have somebody on the ground that's so shy and uh, doesn't really like having all the media attention around her. But she's going to have to get used to it. And, you know, I think she's a definite individual prospect for London this year as well. So something that's going to be happening to her quite a lot this year, I imagine. Well, you'll have to be her Henry Higgins, won't you? <laughs> I will. A younger one, I hope. <laughs> Definitely a younger one. Carl, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks, Chris.
And also, during this past week, we watched the para-dressage riders compete in their first international here in Florida. And Ellie Brimmer, who was a big part of para-dressage in this country, was able to give us a, an overview of what this weekend looked like for them. And we're also going to be hearing from one of the riders also competing this weekend, and that was Dale Dedrick. So uh, let's hear from Ellie. Ellie, welcome to the show. You haven't been here before. Uh, no, I have not, but I'm a big fan of your show, so I'm excited. Thank you. Give us a, an overview, if you would, Ellie, of what this show means to you guys in terms of the schedule and the Olympic preparation. Well, um, Noreen Sullivan was very kind to have two CPEDI three-stars hosted back-to-back at Jim Brandon Equestrian Center, and these were very important to us because... Um, the end of this month is the end of the international ranking for Paralympics for countries. And so who gets slots is dependent on how where we're ranked in the world. And so it was very important for us to put forth a good team effort to ensure our spots for the Paralympics, which unofficially we have, say. Um, so that's very exciting for us to know we can send a full team to London. Okay, so that obviously is critical in in terms of qualification and so on. But let's talk about the range of classes that you had here this past week. Um, well, there are there are there are four actually five grades because one A is split into two grades. So um, it's one A is the most disabled. That's a walk only test. Um, usually severe disabilities like MS or. Um, or similar things. And then there's a grade four, which is the least disabled, which is somebody like um, James Dwyer, who was here, who's an Irish rider, and he's got a single missing leg. So he's um, he shows up to pre-St. George and able-bodied, and his test is equivalent to third level, roughly. And I'm a three, which is um, a little middle down the road, which is step down, which is multi-limb impairment. And I have cerebral palsy, which affects my left side. Now, have you had uh, your cerebral palsy all your life? Yes, and I've ridden all my life. I just switched to dressage about three or four years ago. Um, I come from a fox hunting and hunter-jumper family, so I did that growing up, and then I kind of fell into dressage, and I've really enjoyed it. You're a bit of a rebel then. Yeah. <laughs> my mom puts up with me. <laughs> she loves my, um, my Holsteiner and keeps threatening to take him and jump him. <laughs> but, <laughs> yeah. So let's talk about how the competitions unfolded then this week. As we said, it's a big competition. Let's talk about some of the you know, prominent riders and their successes. Well, we had a wonderful, we had the top riders from Canada come and field a team. And we also had um, a great number of U.S. riders turn out and we also fielded a team. So we had two teams for country competition um, that went head to head. And um, Canada was topped the first week, but U.S. Um, won the second week, so that was wonderful. Um, again, James Dwyer from Ireland is a great individual rider. Um, he was here. We had two riders from Finland, um, one who was very highly ranked within her grade. You'll have to excuse me. Her name escapes me. Um, and we had a 1A Japanese rider who had been to the WAG who was here as well. Um, Sandy... Sandy from Bermuda, he was here as well. Um, and uh, Fernanda from Mexico was also here. So there was a very diverse turnout from countries, which was really nice to see. Uh, something I don't think you get as often in the able-bodied 
seedy eyes, which was really fun. Well, I'm just comparing it, really. I mean, we had, a, you know, one or two over, overseas riders in the able-bodied in the Masters that we were talking about on the show this week. But this is amazing to get that sort of international support for paras. Definitely. It's really wonderful just to have so many people from so many different parts of the world come together. And it's a really a unique thing about para competitions, I think, because we have... Um, our opportunities are not are limited, so we really try to work with what we have and really try to send people places, and we get to go to so many unique places and meet so many different people. It's just fabulous. Well, let's talk about your performance because um, you were here with... Uh, did you have one or two hot rides? I, have one, I had one ride. Um, I only brought... I'm down here for the whole winter, so I only brought one horse. Um, he's really, I think, going to be my big international horse. I just got him this summer, so I'm really working on him. Um, clicking with him and getting things up to speed. Um, I finally got my qualifying score. It's been kind of a slow, slow going for me, but I ended up with a 61 in my individual tests this week. So I was really happy with that. And I feel we have, um, we have a lot to improve on and we can only go up from here. So it'll be great. So how many classes did you have to ride in then? We ride in um, three classes. We do a team test the first day an individual test the second day, and we'd also do a freestyle. Um, so three, three tests each week. So it's, um, yeah, it was really good. And the individual test is always a, is a little more challenging than the team test typically. But even if you're not on the team, everybody rides the team test. So that's nice. Unless you're in a major international competition, then just the team riders ride the team test. Now, what kind of um, prize money are we looking at here in awards? Um, we do not receive any prize money, so um, that's just, you know, we're just here for the, the joy of it. They, we did get some very nice, um, since I was the only one in my grade, I won, so I did get some very nice coolers, which was really fun. And um, we get ribbons, of course, but, you know, really there's not, um, there's not a lot of financial gain in the para-equestrian sport. It's just for the passion of it. Now, is that typical then, you know, for even for a competition of this level and significance that you wouldn't get any prize money? Yeah, that's fairly typical. Um, I believe that um, Del Mar Dressage Affair um, has had some prize money donated, so there'll be a small amount of prize money, but um, I'd have to look it up to know the exact number, but it's fairly typical. Yeah. So everyone needs to be self-financed, obviously. Yes, or um, a lot of people work to find sponsors or things like that. And so it's, it is very challenging because, you, you know, we aren't, for the most part, we are not professionals. We're amateurs who are just doing this for the passion, and we're lucky enough to be able to compete on an international stage. But we really have to find the financing ourselves. So typically then the riders that were competing this week, as you say, they're amateurs. How much riding would they get in in a week then if they have a regular job to do? Um, You know, it depends on the person. Um, With me, um, I'm a little different because I'm I'm still a student. I'm kind of in between graduate programs. And so I get out about five days a week and still ride and do full training. Um, But I know a lot of people, you know, go after work. They work a full 40-hour week and then go to the mart and you just you're just still trying to train a full training a full training schedule with your horse because you have to keep that work and stay that accurate with your rides you do take it seriously because you come down here from minnesota and base yourself very sensibly in the sunshine of florida for the season Mm -hmm. it's my first time doing florida it's really exciting Um, i've never been to i've never really spent any time in wellington before um, because 
we've always, when I was with Hunter Jumper, we always went West Coast. And uh, my mom's actually showing up and hits thermal for the whole circuit. So we're op- we're showing opposite coasts this, <laughs> this year. Hopefully she'll get a chance to come down. But, um, yeah, so um, it's just so nice to be, like, so close to everything. It's, you know, I loved being here and being able to come back to my own house versus going to a hotel at the horse show. It was so nice. It made a huge difference. And there's time for some socializing, too. Now, you have brought someone with you this week to the show, haven't you? Why don't you introduce our next guest? Oh, yes. Um, this is Dale Dedrick. She and I train with Rosalind Kinsler, and she was um, on our USA team for the country competition, and she was instrumental um, in securing our scores. Um, and our victory over Canada this week. She had some great rides on her horse, Bonifacius, Eric. So um, we're very happy she could stop by and talk with you as well. Well, I want to welcome you to the show, Dale. Thank you very much for joining us. Well, thank you very much for having me. Well, talk about your performance then this weekend and how uh, that was for you because we've heard how important it is and you're one of the top few in the country, aren't you, now? Well, amazingly, it seems that way. I, I think back... You know, Elliot also admits that she hasn't been riding dressage very long. Um, I'm pretty much been a dressage rider since the 80s, which gives you a hint as to the fact that I'm not a young kid. Um, But I was an able-bodied Grand Prix rider with the late Chuck Grant in Michigan. And then um, I have lupus. And after a series of strokes and other misadventures, find myself again riding, but as a para-rider. And I was fortunate from Carol Grant um, to find this horse, Bonifacius, in Michigan. And he's turned out to be a phenomenal mount for me. He's not always what you think of as a paramount, but he's a super show horse. And the judges like him, and so do I. That's important, obviously. Now, tell us about this weekend, uh, then, Dale, and how it went for you. Well, the, the horse and I started with para riding in June last year. So this is our 10th horse show this weekend. And so he and I are both very new to this. And, and between Roz Kinsler, our coach, and I, we're still working out the kinks of how to get him ready for the show ring as well as possible. And we play with different things regarding frame and how much collection to ride. Um, it's a little bit awkward because the paratests are all written for working gates. And yet the judges seem to look for more frame than you would present typically in a working gait. And they ask for turn on the haunches, which is never done in working walk. But there is no suggestion even that you collect the walk before the turn on the haunches. So it's a little bit awkward um, working within some of the parameters. And so we've been working out those details. That being said... We've gotten very good scores, and scores are continuing to improve. And we've gotten some very good suggestions from the international judges as to how they'd further like to see the horse presented. Well, obviously, that's constructive feedback for you in your preparation. So uh, unpack this weekend for us. How were the classes, and how did they ride for you, and where did you finish up? Well, I was. my scores this weekend were always in the 70s. That being said, I was second or third behind phenomenal riding by the Canadians' um, multi-time Paralympian, uh, Loren, and uh, my teammate, uh, Becca Hart, both of whom put in phenomenal rides to score above me. 
and I really don't mind being beat if it's by a teammate. <laughs> so to put this in perspective then, Dale, as how this, the important this competition was for you in going forward now towards the uh, London Olympic Games. Well, it was particularly important because we show at home in Grass Lake, Michigan, which nobody's ever heard of because it's a little tiny place. And so the horses, the largest number of horses he'd been around was 90 horses. So to come here and be around so much, even in Saugerties, New York, where there were a 1,000 horses, things were spread out. Here on the big stage with the big arena, it was important to know how the horse would react. And so that gave us an awful lot of feedback and ideas as to how he's going to handle the upcoming stress. And it gave me a chance to demonstrate to myself and everyone else that when told you must get a 70%, I could deliver. So now, obviously, we're in middle of, end of uh, January. What's the rest of your schedule look like uh, leading up to the Games? Well, we have plans to do a lot of, of training and, and, uh, and add some more frame to the horse, but in particular hit a couple more horse shows and continue to work on the fine details of how to get down the center line with absolutely the right presentation every time. Now, you obviously still get a buzz out of this. You said you're not as young as some of these riders here, but it, obviously you're motivated and you get the excitement and buzz of competing at this level. I, I love competing. Um, I, it, it's funny. I'm one of the people who's nervous at a cocktail party with 10 people. But give me a stage of 5,000 television cameras rolling, and I love it. Love the stage. Well, obviously, you're working up to a very big stage this summer. How exciting is that? Uh, it's awe-inspiring. It, it's not something, it's something you dream of as a little child. And to all the young people starting, keep those dreams and keep working toward it and save your pennies because as you move up, it gets very expensive very quickly, but it can happen. And obviously it's inspirational for people who maybe have suffered from the same condition that you have and they may have been riding and to know that, that there is hope and there is something out there for them in the para world. That's also true. Um, I think a lot of riders have been forced due to physical disabilities to give up much of their riding. And I think that more people, particularly our returning vets, um, who are coming back and have a lot of competitive drive and enthusiasm, really should explore the avenues that para-riding enables because horses are the big factor that makes the difference. I can't walk. A mile is my absolute limit. But on a horse, I can go all day. Ride for many miles. Well, I want to wish you the very best of luck in the lead-up to the Games. Hopefully we'll catch up with you uh, after you competed in London. Thank you very much. Well, back to you finally, Ellie. Final word on, word on this weekend at this competition. Uh, you know, wrapping this all up, is it was it all that you had hoped it to be? Oh, it was very much. It was so wonderful just to have. It was very intense to have those two weeks back-to-back, but it was so nice to have that feedback and then be able to return to it immediately and continue working and be in the same environment. And it was just so, um, it was such a unique experience because normally the, our, our international opportunities are limited in the United States, so we have to wait long stretches. And just to be able to keep right at it and stay sharp was wonderful, and I'm, 
I'm so excited about my winter down here in Wellington. And even though we don't have any more international competitions here in Florida, um, I'm still looking forward to competing and having that level of competition around me and will be wonderful. Well, the fire is lit now. The yes. competition is on for London to beat the Canadians and beat those Brits, huh? Oh, hopefully. You know, the Brits are a tough crowd, but somebody's got to knock them down at some point, so maybe it'll be us. <laughs> well, I want to wish you the best luck. Maybe we could get you back on to do some regular reporting for us. I would love that. That would be wonderful. Um, anytime. All right. Well, thanks so much, Ellie. Well, Heather, that wraps up the show for this week. It's been great to be down here um, in your facility here, watching you training and watching you in in competition. And, uh, you know, it really makes me wonder if I'm living in the right place. Well, if you're living in Wellington, you're living in the right place. (laughs) No, it's a a great place to be, um, especially during the season. It's hard to beat. There's just so much going on. Um, It's kind of unlimited. Well, now, obviously, Paragon gets a few days off, so uh, tell us a little bit of what uh, his fans can expect with the freestyle that you're planning. Well, it's going to be very um, goosebump-raising and tear-jerking. <laughs> it's, uh, it's What is goosebumpery, Heather? I don't know. Some people say goose pimples, you know, <laughs> when your skin stands up, your hair stands up. Um, it's, uh, it's very emotional. It's very beautiful. It's got power in it, but it, uh, the music just really brings out the, the kind of horse that he is, which is powerful and very elegant and flowing and very emotional. So the music is very much like that. It's a similar music to what I used in Guadalajara from Cirque du Soleil and, um, just feel like it was written for him. Very excited to get that going. And that is Khan. Now who has been helping you uh, design that program? Um, once again, Marlene Whitaker, and I've used her for a number of horses very successfully. She's wonderful. Well, we're looking forward to it, as I know a lot of his fans are. Heather, great to have you back on the show. Thanks for joining me this week. And right from Heather's training center here in Wellington, Florida, and I'll be back with more news from Wellington next week. So uh, until then, uh, thanks for listening, and uh, enjoy your dressage. Mm-hmm.